We all think about what we eat. We plan our meals or count carbs or do any number of other things when it comes to what we put in our bodies. But do you ever think about the flavor of what you consume? Sure you do. What we eat or drink either tastes good or it doesn't. In fact, taste is the number one consideration in what we consume. Yet there's more to it than just like or dislike, and there's even a whole industry dedicated to it. Flavor is memory. Flavor is feeling. Flavor is science. Flavor is art. Flavor is McCormick Fauna. I'm Corey Doucette, and welcome to our Flavor University podcast, where we explore the science, artistry, and industry behind flavor. If you've listened to any of our podcasts, you'll note that I love the strange and unusual, for I, myself, am strange and unusual. To quote Lydia Dietz of Beetlejuice fame, today we talk to Jenna Tisch, Senior Product Manager and Molly Zimmerman, Innovation Manager, about odd food pairings and the concept of how making it weird makes it fun. Well, welcome back, you guys. Thanks for coming to the show. I hope everything's going well. Yeah, thanks so much for having us, Corey. It's great to be back. Yeah, and to keep it weird. <laughs> So as we always do in these episodes, let's have you guys introduce yourselves once again for our first-time listeners. Tell us who you are and what you do. Molly, if you please begin. Yeah, of course. Hi, I'm Molly Zimmerman, and I'm the Innovation Manager for the Beverage and Health and Nutrition Business Unit. And what that means is I work very closely with our marketing teams to translate trends into things you can taste. And I'm Jenna Tisch, Business Unit Marketer for the Beverage and Health and Nutrition Business Unit, and I'm responsible for understanding consumer and category insights, as well as trends. Awesome. So let's get right into it, you guys. In the opening of the podcast, I mentioned weird pairings. Let's let's define, let's start there first. What are we starting with when we're talking about weird pairings? And we're not referring to weird as kind of a derogatory thing. It's a, it's a loving term. Yeah. The way I look at weird pairings is through context, right? And the context of the pairing is what determines if it's weird or not. And We'll look at that a little bit more in depth in terms of specific pairings. But if you think about a, you know, pizza flavor, right? It's not weird on its own, but suddenly you put it into a drink and a pizza flavored drink would be pretty weird, right? So we use the word weird lovingly, but also using context to determine what's weird and what's not weird. Does that make sense? I follow. Absolutely. My, like my drinks usually to be sweet and not savory. So, yeah. I mean, unless you're having a Bloody Mary, right? In which I case, am not a Bloody Mary person. Me either. I'm firmly in the mimosa camp, but I can understand why you would want a Bloody Mary with all the little snacks. But where do we lie when it comes to a spicy margarita? I do it. Okay. So that's somewhere in there's all middle ground. Yep. I think weird is something that many people are kind of reclaiming because weird is so subjective and open to interpretation. And so to add on to what Molly is mentioning about context, it's so dependent on different cultures and what we as Americans, you know, in quotes, find weird would be definitely something that's very familiar and happens on a daily basis in other cultures and vice versa. We, you know, a pizza flavored drink that we might all be down with would be seen as very taboo, perhaps in Europe or somewhere where they're like pizza belongs on our plate and not in our drink, but it does belong in my cup. I will say that I'm down. I'm down to try that. We should give that a try in the lab mall. One of the great influences in weird pairings and exposure to new pairings is social media. We've seen a lot of different combinations come up on Instagram and TikTok, especially within food, 
where it feels like a dare for someone to try it. One of the ones that I know Jenna has tried is strawberries and mayo. Now, I have not tried this, but that sounds crazy to me until you think about it. I did. Yes. So I we were doing some research um, and I do also want to shout out that our colleagues, Kaylin Cook and Katie Tamburo talked about social media with their example of the fruit roll up and the ice cream or the sorbet. So that was another interesting kind of combination with the different textures. But when we were looking up, you know, interesting or unique flavor combinations or food pairings online, strawberries and mayo came up, which I just couldn't wrap my head around, even though we're in the Midwest. We like mayo. We like casseroles. That's ubiquitous. But the strawberry and the mayo thing together was very surprising. But in trying it, I will say that the umami flavor of the mayo really brought out the brightness and the sweetness of the strawberry. So while I'm not dipping my strawberries in mayo anytime soon, I'll, I'll keep them on their own. I can see the appeal of perhaps trying it to see what taste descriptors are amplified when we put on a new condiment-like mayo onto a strawberry. I think that's a great observation is that you have to really drill down to what those notes are to determine if your weird pairing is going to work or not. So on our previous podcast, when we talked about innovation and approachable adventure, we talked about one of my favorite weird pairings, which is blueberry salted caramel, which doesn't sound like something that should work until you really think about it. The brightness of this, the blueberry the fruitiness, the juiciness paired with the brown notes kind of reminded me of like a blueberry pie. You get those same like Maillard reaction kind of notes on the crust. So putting them together in a caramel contextually is a little weird, but makes sense from a flavor standpoint. Another good example of this is, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but a Calamoxto cocktail, right? We tried this because we thought it was so super weird. It's red wine and Coke. And we were like, okay, that's crazy. Why would we do that? But we tasted it and we're like, huh, this kind of tastes like a fancy slushy. Like there are a lot of notes coming through that are, you know, vanilla notes and orange notes from the Coke paired with the berry notes of the wine. So the um, person that we got the ratio from for the wine and Coke on their blog said, don't overthink it, underthink it. And I think that we were kind of overthinking it and that's why we thought it was weird. But if you underthink it and think about the flavor notes underneath everything, it makes sense as a pairing. Absolutely. Yeah. And we were connecting it back to the slushy because that's the context in which we have already experienced those flavors. Exactly. And there was kind of that nostalgia play too. So what is the adult version of a slushy? Something with alcohol in it. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that being said, Corey, would you like to try a weird pairing today? Um, I always want to try a weird pairing today because I believe that the basis for a lot of scientific research is done in the name of drinking. So. <laughs> well, this is not an alcoholic beverage today. This is a very weird combination that we saw on TikTok. And we would like you to taste first and tell us what you think it might be. Okay. Is this a cold beverage or a hot beverage? Medium. Okay. Okay. In between, are we looking for sweet or savory or are you going to let me just tell that? Let's let you tell that. Right. What you guys can't see right now is that Jenna has poured about maybe seven, six cups here of a brown liquid into this <laughs> cup. And they're all laughing because, I mean... <laughs> 
It, he looks very skeptical. I, I'm, I'm a little nervous, uh, but we'll give it the sniff test first. You know, the swish and sniff. Okay, it's definitely got coffee in it because uh, it gives off that aroma right away. Again, don't tell me if I'm right or wrong yet. And I, I, just by looking at it, it's a little cloudy, so maybe some kind of milk. I, I don't know. Let's find out. Here we go. Cheers. It kind of tastes like bullion. Like I'm getting a beef note in here, which is weird to say. So am I. It goes collagen. Yeah. So what Corey is tasting and describing as bullion is a very unique pairing of espresso and orange juice called an espresso sunrise. I just got the orange in the right? back of the throat as I was exhaling when you said that. Yeah. So there's like these roasty notes that you're probably perceiving as like beefy or meaty. There's an umami note in espresso as well as pairing it with the acidity really messes with your brain, right? You aren't expecting it. You aren't used to having espresso in this context. You're probably used to having espresso in a, you know, blended frozen beverage or in a latte, Right. But not with orange juice where it's bright and light and refreshing. So it's taking it to a different direction that your brain doesn't recognize. So that's probably why you're getting like meaty. I had no idea where to go. I I was just like, I know there's I know there's some kind of coffee in this, but I don't know what else to do with this. Yeah. Who's trying this stuff? Like who's who's more who's a who's putting it together? Like who's figuring that out and stop pointing to yourselves because I know that, you know, you guys do this kind of stuff. But who's trying this and who's figuring this out? And like who's taking the plunge and daring themselves to try this. So I wasn't pointing to myself, but I could by proxy point to myself to say that I've seen it in some of the awful reality television shows that I watched. And I think the individual who's trying this is somebody that's adventurous or somebody that can't decide what to order at brunch. Do I want orange juice with my vitamin C, get my little immunity boost, or do I need some caffeinated, you know, some caffeine to wake me up after perhaps a my, my partying the night before. And you make an interesting point in talking about functionality, right? Because these beverages aren't traditional functional beverages, but they certainly do have a function. And pairing them together with the, you know, immunity and all of that of orange juice paired with the, you know, wake up and get ready of espresso from a functionality standpoint makes a lot of sense as well. And then thinking about how you would consume this beverage fruit paired with coffee leans it into more of that refreshing category and it's also consumed typically cold so just don't add toothpaste that would make it that would be terrible that, not a good weird yeah, pairing do that. Don't yeah do that. that good weird yeah <laughs> is somebody looking at this commercially at all do we know we don't know so we got this off of tiktok and presumably the consumers you're asking about like who's doing this they're the content creators on TikTok and the people who follow them, right? And it's not just TikTok, it's all of social media, but primarily TikTok. And some of the other combinations we've seen that we thought were really interesting were a peanut butter and turkey sandwich, bananas with potato chips, chocolate and cheese, Pringles and butterscotch pudding, and even red wine pie. But what do all of these have in common? There's some textural differences. There's some sweet and saltiness. Cross-category blending of formats. And there's nothing that's too obscure. These are pretty much, you know, staples or things that people have in their pantries. And the uniqueness or the, in quotes, weirdness of it is the combining of the two. Right. So again, context. Yeah. Everything that you're mentioning, Molly, is basically saying to me like, okay, I can see that. Or, you know, I would try that kind of thing. Sands allergies or anything like that, I, I would have no problem pairing any of that together. 
I do want to jump back to the mayonnaise on the strawberry real quick. <laughs> now, Jenny, you tried this. I did. Okay. Was it like just straight up took the strawberry right into the jar or cut it into slices or what? So I did a little bit of a spoon because I don't want to cross-contaminate my large jar of mayonnaise, Corey. My goodness, I got to to make that thing last for quite some time. I still live like I'm single sometimes. So So I just, yeah, I I quartered or I cut up my strawberry and then just did a little bit of mayo onto it. And I thought it was really interesting. I don't think that I necessarily would crave that. You know, I'll stick to the brown sugar in my strawberries or I like that cream cheese marshmallow fluff dip with strawberries that's always really good but the mayo component was really interesting and that got me thinking about our colleagues and friends at McCormick and their flavor forecast and that reminded me of one of the trends featured in a former flavor forecast which was featured on a previous podcast about plus sweet which is this concept that Sweetness can be paired with many different flavor descriptors all around the flavor wheel. So you can take sweetness as sort of your hero flavor descriptor, and you can pair that with umami, sourness, saltiness, floral, spiciness for kind of that sweet heat type of play. But sweetness can really be the hero here, and that can be kind of grounding us for our weird pairing. And in this case, that was strawberry mayo. I mean, I have to try it now. It's like the watermelon mustard that we talked about previously. I always give it that a shout out on several podcasts, but I mean, this is something to put on my list. I think I've mentioned this before too. Another odd pairing that just comes from my first experience was chili and peanut butter. If you've never tried this, take a piece of bread with peanut butter on it and eat it with your chili on top. I'm I'm not going to say that I didn't hate it because I didn't. Oh, see, when you said that, Corey, I was thinking of like chili like hot chilies like hot chili which was going kind of asian cuisine to me and i was like no that's not weird that's excellent that's on my peanut saute Mm -hmm. we've got the fourth of july coming up so a lot of those you know stranger fruit pairings with mayonnaise we could try all that so let's let's go deeper let's let's do another one I'm, i'm really digging all these examples do you have something else for me yeah so if we were to think about this through the lens of a product developer and how you might choose to pick a weird pairing for your product, we could build an example, right? So I really love hydration beverages. And one of the inherent qualities in a hydration beverage that some people view as an off note or something to cover up would be saltiness, right? Coming from the electrolytes. But rather than trying to cover up or modify that in some way, is there a way that we could use weird pairings to validate that the presence of that flavor for the consumer. So if we were going to take it like super weird, we could do, you know, a buttered popcorn hydration drink. You expect buttered popcorn to be salty, so it would make more sense to have a salty beverage base like a hydration beverage. And on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you wanted to make it less weird, you could do something that is a little closer in, say a salted caramel hydration drink and pair that with apple so it's not quite so strange. So salted caramel in a hydration beverage, super weird. Apple in a hydration beverage, not weird at all, right? So using that approachable adventure strategy for your weird pairing could get you where you want to go. If you want to take that caramel apple example and build off of it, 
let's make it slightly weirder. Let's say caramel corn. So using our buttered popcorn example and pulling that through. Or if you wanted to make it so beyond weird, you could do like a roasted sweet corn type of profile and then make it spicy. So taking the hydration beverage to the weird extreme and making a spicy sweet corn flavored drink. Does that sound super weird? Well, for context, we're in the Midwest, so corn. Midwestern cons- <laughs> so corn, but Midwestern consumers might be okay with that because we love corn. Yeah. And mayo. Indeed. As you were saying that, Molly, I was thinking about buttered popcorn being one of my favorite Jelly Belly candies and how as a kid, I don't know, Corey and Molly, if you did this, but or maybe as an adult when I just went to Costco and bought the huge tub of Jelly Bellies, I made my own weird combinations by like picking two to three different Jelly Bellies and then being like, what could taste really wild together? Yeah, mixing and matching. I think it's an intuitive thing when you have something that is clearly identifying the different flavors. I think that's um, a good observation. And they like to throw you a curveball when there's so many different red ones. You think you're getting an apple, but really get us the cinnamon. <laughs> so since we've been talking about peanut butter, let's let's go into that because I like peanut butter and everything from smoothies to apples to you know, chocolate. chocolate confectionaries. I have no problem putting peanut butter on most anything. So what else have you got for me that's a strange pairing with peanut butter? So I have a friend who we won't name names, but likes to put peanut butter on carrots. She's talking about herself. No, <laughs> I'm absolutely no, not. not no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not asking for a friend. No, it wasn't. I don't eat carrots. I feed them to the dog. Right. They put them on celery. They put peanut butter on celery. They do. They do. I mean, that just sounds like two things that my dog likes to eat. Peanut butter and carrots. No. <laughs> about peanut not? butter on pickles, Jenna? Do you have peanut butter on pickles? No, but that was something else that we saw when we were doing some research on peanut butter pairing. Are we talking like fresh out of the jar pickles or fried pickles or? I mean, I think either, right? Like fried pickles would make a lot of sense to me. Yeah. They're already like crispy. Yeah. That would be delicious. I mean, just from a just from a, a, a mouthfeel kind of thing, I, that's how I would feel better about eating it than, <laughs> you know, taking it out of the jar and being, you know. That, right. Peanut butter pickle sandwich. Well, you talked about a pickle and peanut butter sandwich, but there's also another weird pairing that people love, which is the Elvis sandwich, which is peanut butter, bananas, bacon, and honey. And like in context, super weird, but all of those things together is just so magical. And maximalism. And maximalist. Doing the most all the time. I mean, who who else to personify that than Elvis? Right. Let's go back again to our beverages, our alcoholic beverages. We were talking about Bloody Marys and so on. And we mentioned mimosas. I know there's a big breakfast crowd out there. So let's talk about, you know, how mimosas are being paired these days. Yeah, I think brunch culture is huge and will always be a trend. But I'm a firm believer that unless you have cocktails of some variety, zero proof or otherwise, it is just breakfast. So let's just level set there. I am firmly in the mimosa camp, so we can use a mimosa as our our example. So if we were going to build a weird pairing for a mimosa, maybe we could take it super weird and have it be a bloody mimosa. So instead of a bloody Mary, make it a bloody mimosa with the tomato juice and all the snacks and the seasonings. Corey, how does that sound compared to orange juice and espresso? How do you feel about orange juice and tomato juice? I would probably go for that. Just the two citruses together would do better for me, I think. Mm -hmm. Fruit on fruit. 
Yeah, but also what I'm hearing when you're saying like bloody mimosa, it's like when you look in the mirror and do the bloody Mary kind of thing. Oh my gosh, it's so spooky, like a spooky mimosa. And then all yeah. of a sudden Lydia from Beetlejuice comes back with bangs. <laughs> so we could make that pairing less weird by pairing guava with our tomato juice, right? Maybe we have a guava bloody Mary or guava mimosa paired with the tomato because guava and tomato have very similar kind of vibes. And then you could take it to be the most weird and have a pizza mimosa with like oregano in it and be super weird. And it's only weird, again, because of the context. Full circle on pizza. Full circle on rounding out that pizza. I mean, every pizza is a personal pizza if you try hard and believe in yourself. (laughs) You're right. It's true. It's true. I like the guava example, too, because I think that there might be that kind of color connection, too. So if you mixed orange juice, which is orange, and then the tomato juice, which is red, you probably get kind of that pinkish orangish that would be a guava color naturally, too. So thinking about the consumer and how do we make something more accessible to them, color is one way to do that. And so something that's naturally that same color that they could expect with that flavor is a great way to to make it more achievable. And I feel like if you took that and maximized it, you could do like they're doing in like pop-up bars, like Harry Potter bars. They're adding like sparkle liquid into their drinks so that when you swirl them, you see like a nice sparkle in there. So you'd be like, oh, give me my pizza mimosa with a nice sparkle. Better. Because what makes alcohol better? Jazzy. (laughs) You're the most important. I love it. Awesome. So all of these pairings, when people present them, they seem like a challenge. You know, something to something to grab your attention and like, you know, you should totally try to do this because blank or because a, you know, so that you can talk about it later. So is that is that reasoning behind all these pairings or why are we doing this? Well, I think it's it's partially because it's like a dare, but also because the element of surprise, you don't know what you're going to get. And a lot of times in our day to day lives, we don't get that. But it's also a low risk way to have some fun and experiment a little bit because what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you don't like it? Like you just don't like it and you're out five bucks. Yeah. Or you eat it anyway. Yeah. Or you don't pair it together. You eat them independently. Yeah. (laughs) I'll eat pickles and then I'll eat peanut butter. Just not together. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, there's, there's really no, there's no fallout. Right. You know, it's, it's minimal risk to me to, try something that I haven't tried. As long as it's not going to make me sick, you know, I'm still going to give it a shot. And even if it is, I probably would still give it a shot. Give it a shot. Yeah. I mean, look at people who are lactose intolerant. So as Molly and I were talking through the topic for this podcast, she brought up her niece. And I think there's this connection to, as consumers, we all want autonomy and exploration with figuring out what we like and what we dislike. And so that connection back to Gen Z, especially because your niece is a Gen Zer, right? Yeah, she's a Gen Zer hardcore. And I think a big thing about all of this exploration and she's seeing these things on TikTok that she wants to try and we're trying them. Like there was a pickle pizza that she was like, we have to try that. It's a big part of control, right? And as a teenager and as a young person, which Gen Z are right now, you lack control in a lot of areas of your life and you get to try new things and have some autonomy through what you're eating, which is a really fun and safe way to play around and have some have a good time and connect with your older, elder millennial folks like me and Jenna. Shots fired. <laughs> we also know that 
Gen Z is more adventurous with their foods and they're the more most culturally diverse generation. And I think that leans itself well into the exploration and being very open minded with, you know, I don't have to just have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I can have a peanut butter and turkey sandwich or a peanut butter and chili sandwich. Exactly. Well, I think that's as much weird as I can handle for today. So why don't we go and get to our wrap up and give me some takeaways. What can we leave with our listeners, you know, to to put in their back pocket? For food and beverage companies, the goal with weird pairings is to go viral. So interesting recipes, connecting with ingredients that are out of the box could be a way to do that. I also think that the biggest takeaway here is that it's not a weird pairing unless that there's context to it. So You need to connect your weird pairing to the context and decide along the weird spectrum where where you want to live and what's right for your consumer. And to go off of that, as Molly said, think about your application. So if you work on a snack seasoning, what are those classic pairings or seasonings and flavors in other categories and try that? What's familiar but might be kind of out of context might be the best bet to success in your category. And as Molly said on our last podcast, kicking it back old school, try everything. Like I always say, try everything. All right. So let's do my questions off the cuff. What's your weird pairing? What's something that to you is is delicious and it might seem kind of weird to others? Yeah, one of the things I do that people have told me is weird, but I don't think it's that weird, is adding cream cheese to a grilled cheese. I really like the different textures because the like regular cheese gets like stringy and the, the cream cheese gets really velvety and melty. Now, do you put other cheese in with it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like cheddar or like whatever I have at home. Does it get a little messy when you bite into it? Yes. No, I'm out. And it's fabulous. I'm out. Oh, that's the point of a grilled cheese, no, Corey. No. The mess. I, I, I like a good cheese bowl. Thing. That's fine. Yeah. I wait till it like solidifies a little before I bite into it because I don't oh, want no. it like dripping down your chin. No, not a fan. Hard bath. That's the gooey, melty cheese. It's so good. Yeah. All right. Well, how about you, Jenna? So I'm a vegetarian, which might mean that some individuals think that I have a lot of weird pairings with whatever I put on my tofu, but I'd almost flip that on its head and say that I have a hard time understanding, and let's see if either of you take offense to this, a hard time understanding people who put ketchup on eggs. Oh my God, I Jenna. can't understand it. I put ketchup on everything, and I love ketchup on eggs. It just wakes it up. It makes it so much less boring. I, I can understand the hot sauce. It's the ketchup for me. Like I grew up away from ketchup, but I used to do it, obviously, but now it's it's hot sauce or salsa. Yeah, that's fine. Is there something wrong with me? Am I extra weird? Second question lining up here, uh, and this will be the last one we ask, is you're normal. Let's send people out on a normal note. What is a flavor or something that you eat that is just wholly, you know, accepted by everyone that you love and it's pretty much synonymous with everybody else's love? Like Tom Hanks. He doesn't love Tom (laughs) Hanks. Yeah, Tom Hanks is a good example. Uh, What's our Tom Hanks flavor? Yeah. What's our Tom Hanks flavor? So we call that masterful ubiquity, and there are a bunch of different types of innovation, but we see something that's super normal that you view that you do better than everyone else as masterful ubiquity. And for me, that's coffee. 
Well, you both know what I want to say, which is banana, but clearly <laughs> that's so polarizing. Banana. Even though we're in 2023 and banana is a great flavor. So I would say that a, a really dark, rich, deep chocolate with some kind of malted sort of notes would be a very great masterful ubiquity flavor. I'll just say this. If banana is your thing, Universal Studios, the theme parks are developing a minion land where a majority of the food that they'll be serving is banana flavored. So so we have to go. You have to go. That's it for Flavor University podcast. I'm Corey Doucette, and I'd love to thank our special guests, Jenna and Molly. Thanks for listening. And until next time, the flavor of McCormick is the flavor of life. So go out and taste it.